Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. We're doing a series called Send It. And um, it's always nice to watch some videos of guys that don't mind to send it. Thank you, Drew. Uh, that don't mind to send it. Um, if you've been around for a couple weeks, you know we're doing a series on missions. Uh, missions has to do, when we're talking about it, world missions, meaning pe- how we take the gospel to other parts of the world where people have never heard the gospel. And First week, remember, we had Trey Bailey with us. He was our guest speaker. Last week, uh, we talked about how in Acts 1-8, how every person, every one of us has an obligation to take the gospel around the world because there are still literally billions of people who haven't heard about Jesus, how the task is huge, and everyone has to hear about Jesus. Um, But tonight, for our final, like, kind of lesson on send it, on missions, we're going to talk about kind of this question Who should go? Um, Because the need is great, and you're like, Matt, why are you telling me about this need? Like, I'm a middle schooler. I'm in seventh grade. I've got a zit the size of Mount Vesuvius on my forehead, and I don't know what to do with it. And I'm not talented. I'm not good at music. I'm not good at sports. I stand in front of people to give a report or something, and I'm scared to death. What in the world do I have to do with sending the gospel around the world? So tonight we're going to talk about how God wants to use you. Like, and I'm not just talking about you, I'm talking about you, and I'm talking about you, and I'm talking about you. God wants to use you to take the gospel around the world. And I thought I could start by showing you a picture of me when I was a teenager on a mission trip. Um, isn't it, I just have to say, like, isn't April a lucky man? Like, she gets to go home with that every night. Okay, so, um, but yeah, if, if you notice, I bought that hat. We were on a mission trip to Arizona. We went by bus, and I was on, and we were on, so we were on a mission trip. I bought that hat at a gas station in Texas, and it never left my head pretty much the whole trip unless I was told to take it off. Um, if you notice, I was wearing the, yeah, the, that wonderful tuxedo t-shirt that goes with the hat. Like, I was a catch, okay? No, honestly, I wasn't. Here's the thing. I was, I, I was scared to death, and I still am in a lot of ways an introvert. Like, standing in front of people and talking isn't necessarily my thing. Like, it's not, it, it, making conversation with people, meeting new people gives me anxiety. Anybody else like that? You're, you may just be too anxious to raise your hand, but like, meeting new people give me anxiety. I was so awkward still, you know, so awkward around girls, I thought I'd never have a girlfriend, never get married. And I would be in youth group, and I would hear my youth pastor say, God wants to use you to reach people. And I was pretty sure he was talking to the guy that's sitting next to me, you know, that was like six foot one, tall, dark, and handsome, had like a full beard at the age of 16, you know, and, and, and just never met a stranger. I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's talking about this guy, not me. And maybe there are a lot, of, a lot of you in the room tonight that are like, okay, yeah, God wants, to use the world, God wants to use teens to reach the world, but not somebody like me. And just like I had all kinds of reasons that I thought God wouldn't want to use me, there are probably reasons that you have that you think God doesn't want to use you to reach the world. And that's why we have missionaries. Like, like, that's why we raise money. We send people around the world say, hey, go take care of those people that wear diapers as, as, their, as their, main, like, like their main dress. You reach them so I don't have to. But here's what I hope you remember as we're going through this lesson tonight is that missions isn't just for missionaries. I'm going to repeat it one more time. I'm going to repeat it a lot so it gets into your head if you don't remember anything else. Missions isn't just for missionaries. If you're here long enough, you're going to meet some missionaries. You're going to meet people who are living across the world sharing the gospel. But missions isn't just for them. It's for me and you. And if you have your Bible, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 
2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to be in like the first nine verses of 1 Corinthians, or excuse me, <laughs> I'll get it right one of these days. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And as you're turning there, I want to kind of set up a scenario for you. I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to take too long in doing this. Some of you, who, where are my nerds at? Like you're, you like history, you like that kind of stuff. It's okay to raise your hand. You'll like this, but everybody needs to know the situation that was going on here. There was an area of the world called Greece. What do you think of when you think of Greece? I think of that restaurant downtown in Huntington. That's those amazing gyros, right? Um, when, when, when you th- what do you think of, Luke? I thought of like Zeus. Zeus? Zeus with a bolt in his hand? Okay. Greece, at the time this was written, was an area that was divided into two, like, they called them provinces. It's kind of like states. You know, West Virginia, Ohio. West Virginia's better now. West Virginia, Ohio. So there was northern Greece, and that area was called Macedonia. There was southern Greece, and that state or that province was called Ikea. Not like the place your mom goes to in Columbus. Ikea. So there was Macedonia and Achaia. And Macedonia, the northern part, they were incredibly poor. Once again, not to get too nerdy on you, but the, the northern part was the area that was home to Alexander the Great, who was the leader of the Greek Empire. But when the Romans took, it, took over the Greek Empire and they came in, they wanted to make sure Alexander the Great's home town and home area was the worst. They wanted to make sure they knew they were defeated. So they pretty much took all the money out of northern Greece, out of Macedonia. So the Macedonian people were some of the poorest people in the Roman Empire. But then southern Greece, Achaia, not Achaia, Achaia, had cities like Corinth. Corinthians had cities like Athens which were like the cultural places to be. Everybody wanted to go there, just like people want to be in Nash, Vegas, down, you know, down in Tennessee, because it's like this cultural place to be, and everything's happening there, and nobody wants to be in Huntington. It was kind of the same deal. Nobody wanted to be in the cities in Macedonia, which were the cities like Thessalonica, uh, Philippi, Berea. They wanted to be in the happening cities that had all kinds of money and had all kinds of fame, Corinth, um, Athens, the cities in southern Greece, Achaia, okay? There's also another part of the world called Palestine where Jerusalem was, and that's where the church began. And what happened in Jerusalem was, you know, that's where Jesus, you know, did the thing, you know, died, came back from the dead, said, go share the gospel, went back to heaven. So the apostles started sharing the gospel, and thousands and thousands of people in Jerusalem got saved, but then something happened. The people in Jerusalem were like, we don't like these Christians, Let's burn them. Yeah. So essentially, they started persecuting. They started, they started making life terrible for these Christians. So the Christians started leaving Jerusalem, and they'd go up north, and they settled in cities like Corinth in southern Greece. They settled in cities up in the northern part of Greece like Thessalonica and Philippi in Macedonia. And so they settled in the rich areas, and they settled in the poor areas. But then something happened in Jerusalem. There was a famine. And all the Christians in Jerusalem had no money because the government took it all from them. They had no way to eat. So Paul, who was a missionary, who started churches in southern Greece, Achaia, and started churches in Macedonia, wrote to this church in Corinth asking them to give him money that he could take to Jerusalem so that those people could be taken care of and continue to spread the gospel. Are you still following me? It's like a lot of do, 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 do. So you got poor Greece, you got rich Greece. You got Jerusalem where people are getting picked on and don't have any money and can't eat. And Paul's saying, hey, you rich people should give some money to these poor Christians down here in Jerusalem who are getting picked on so they can continue to spread the gospel. 
And here's how he makes his appeal to the Corinthians. Let's read it, first nine verses. He says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that was given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this was not as expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, then to the will of God, to us, by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he started, he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you, he's talking to the Corinthians, the rich people, remember, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you also excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. He kind of builds up to this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. So what's happening here is the Apostle Paul, who God inspired to write this, is writing to this wealthy church in Corinth. And he's telling them they should send him money that he can give to the people in Jerusalem so that the gospel mission can keep going on. That's missions. And do you see the example he uses? These poor little churches in Macedonia. A lot of them are written about in the Bible. Thessalonians, Philippians. You know, These poor little churches, they didn't have any money. They were poor people, and they scraped together what little they had. And they sent it to Paul saying, please send this to the churches in Jerusalem so that they can continue on with the gospel mission. And he says, if these poor little churches can contribute what little bit they had, you should follow their example and can contribute toward this church in Jerusalem and the gospel mission. Is that making sense? So I just want to share with you four observations and then four F words. I had to end with F words. Had to end the series with efforts. So who is missions for? I would say missions is for you. And there are three, three kinds of people that missions is for. And I want to, my, my thesis here, not to use a big word, my argument is that you meet all three of these qualifications. That you fall under all, everybody in the room who is saved falls under these categories. So who's missions for? Missions is for people who have been saved. Are you saved? Are you a believer in Jesus? Is your soul settled? I hope it is. And if it is, missions is for you. I want to show you a few verses here in in what we read. Look at verse 9. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. He's telling, he's talking about the gospel, right? The gospel is that Jesus left heaven, left all his riches in heaven, lived as a poor man on earth, died a poor man's death on the cross, took our sin on the cross so that his righteousness could be credited to us and that we could become rich in God, right? That's the gospel, isn't it? That's, that's what it means to be saved. And he's using it as an example. He says, hey, because you're saved, this should matter to you. He also says that Jesus set the example. If we're followers of Jesus, shouldn't we be giving up what we have, we're using our talents and our gifts and abilities for Jesus, right? So it's for people who have been saved. And look at the ultimate goal of this offering. This is a long passage, and we obviously can't read like multiple chapters tonight. 
But if you flip over to verse or chapter 10 and verse 15, he, he shares what he hopes the ultimate goal of this offering will result in. Verse 15, it says, We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others. Our hope is that as your faith increases, meaning as they're giving, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you. The goal of this offering wasn't just to help these poor Christians. It was to help these poor Christians to have their needs met so they could keep sharing the gospel. tight. So they could keep sharing the gospel. So missions is for people who have been saved. The ultimate goal of everything that God has given us is so that we can use it to share the gospel. Do you remember the facts that we learned last week? I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them, but I want to remind you that there are 7.75 billion people in the world and 3.23 billion of them, about half of them, have never heard the gospel once. Remember that 1040 window where 80% of unreached people live and only 10% of mission work goes to? Everyone who's been saved has a responsibility to play a part in telling people about Jesus who have never heard from Jesus. I've, ha- I, I've had a rough few weeks, exciting few weeks and rough few weeks. You know how that all works together? And I remember I was driving in my truck, and I just felt so secure in God and knowing that it didn't matter what happened today because I was, yeah, Jesus was my Savior no matter what. And then I thought, you know, there are people who are going through a lot worse situations than me, but they don't have that hope that I felt driving in my truck. There are people on the other side of the world that are living on rice and beans, and they don't have a hope to look, look, look forward to. Who's going to share that hope with them? Missions is for people who've been saved. You've been saved tonight. I hope you have. If you are, you met the first qualification as someone who should be involved in missions. The next qualification, who's missions for? Missions is for people who have something to give. I got a picture of the guy who's got you know, his pockets out, you know, um, because I feel like you know, a, a lot of us, that's what we think. We think we don't have much to give, right? Yeah. Look at, look at verse number uh, two and three of this, of this passage here. These people in Macedonia, they didn't have much to give. It says, in a severe test of affliction, meaning they were being persecuted and they were under hard times, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed with a wealth of generosity on their part. They gave according to their means. They simply gave what they have. They didn't have much, but they gave like what they had to God. And sometimes it's easy to look in the mirror and you don't have much. But have you given like what little you have to God? I wish we could do, almost do a whole lesson on it. We can't, but um, I don't know if you've ever read the story of Moses and the burning bush. And Moses pretty much had the same excuse you do. I got nothing to give to you, God. And you know what Moses, God asked Moses? He said, Moses, I'm paraphrasing here. What's that in your hand? What you got in your hand? You know, Moses had a stick. He had a shepherd's staff, a walking stick. And you all take hikes with a walking stick. Moses is like, I got a stick. And God says, throw that stick on the ground. Moses threw the stick on the ground. You know what happened? Right? Do what? It turned into a snake. And God's like, pick it up. And Moses is like, uh. And he's like, pick it up. And he picks it up. And it turns back into a stick. And then God says, show me your hand. Moses puts his hand out. He says, put it in your cloak. Moses puts the, his hand in his cloak. He says, pull it back out. His hand is covered with leprosy. And God says, put it back in your cloak. He puts it back in his cloak. He says, pull it out. His hand is perfectly clean. And God is showing Moses that, hey, if you got a stick and you got a hand, I can do incredible things through you. How many of y'all have a hand? Put it up in the air. I'll make sure. I think we got it. How many of y'all have two hands? Put them, put them up in the air. Okay. So you got hands. 
How many of y'all could go to your backyard and find a stick? Okay, then God can use you just like he used Moses. The question is, do the little things that you have, what little you have, have you given it to God? Have you given your hands to God? Have you said, God, I will do things for you even if it's not spectacular? It says they gave out of their poverty. They didn't have much to give, but they gave what they had. But some people, it says they have plenty. The Macedonians, they didn't have much, but they gave it to God. And then he, he reminds the, pe- the, the people in Corinth, you know, the wealthy city. He says, as you excel in everything, excel in this too. Give what you have to God. You're just like you feel like you don't have much to offer. I don't think you realize what you do have to offer. That a lot of other people don't have to offer because you're a teenager. You ever noticed how old people walk? They don't walk like you walk. They got what you call a hitch in their giddy up, you know? They walk like this. They have a hard time standing for a long period of time. That's why at church, we have to do two songs and everybody has to sit down because we don't want grandma to pass out, right? Um, so so we, there are things that you can do as teenagers that other people cannot do. You have energy. You have the best, most creative ideas. Like our high school guys, we made our pumpkin Sodom and Gomorrah and we smashed it and put a rock on top of it. Creative ideas, like incredible, yeah, awesome. You guys have the best ideas. You have the most energy. Why don't you use your abundance for God? There's going to be a time where you don't have much energy. Like there's going to be a time where Riley's going to be like hobbling along. He's going to be an old man. <laughs> he's going to have, he's going to have, you know, he's going to have his, his, his wonderful, glorious hair. I don't know why I'm picking on Riley. Wonderful, glorious hair is going to turn gray. He's going to start you know, being upset about those kids that walk on his lawn. You know? There's going to be a time where you don't have the energy and you don't have what you have now. Use it for God. I wish I had more time to go through this, but I don't. So remember what we learned from Moses? If you got a hand and if you have a stick in your backyard, God can use you. So remember, missions is for people who are saved. Check. Missions is for people to have so- who have something to give. Got a stick in your backyard? Got a hand? Check. You got something to give. The third one, missions is for people who want to experience God. You know what I've learned? I've been a youth, I feel old, but I've been a youth pastor for 10 years. I've learned that even the teen who doesn't want to be at youth group, I can always tell the ones who don't want to be, you know, you, you, I, they're, they're, there's like this face that you wear. It's the, my parents made me come face. I, I, I've gotten pretty good at like picking it out. Even the one, even those of you that came in with the, my parents made me come face, you may not like being here, but you, deep down, you want to have an experience with God. Like you want to see God be real in your life. And if you want to see God be real in your life, get on board with what God's doing to reach the world. Let me, let me show you. Let's go back to verses two and three. There's so much in here. It says, in a severe test of affliction, remember, they were having a tough time. Their abundance of joy. How many of you can say that when you were having tough times, you had an abundance of joy? That can only come from God, right? So God's already working in their life. Then look at God. I call it God math. Look at the God math here. It says extreme poverty plus abundance of joy equals a wealth of generosity on their part. God took what little they had and the joy that they gave it with And it says it abounded in a wealth of generosity. God, what we'll learn here is he actually was able to, through a miracle, let them give more than they even had money to give. It says that they gave beyond their means. So what does it mean for teenagers to give beyond our means? I believe sometimes it means for you to give your futures to God. 
You know, you, you take the test, you go to the counselor's office, the counselor gives you a piece of paper and says, you know, the, the, the study says that you'd be good for this career and this career and this career, and you should probably do this career because it's going to make you the most money and make you the most successful. But what if you gave your future to God? What if you gave your teenage years to God? Some of you, your parents may have money, but you don't have much money. You, know, you, you only get money by saying, Mom, you can I have money? Yeah. Or you work and you, you, you make like minimum wage and you know, then you see how much like Joe Biden takes out of your paycheck and you get real mad. And you're like, I just have this little bit of money. What if you gave what little money you had and said, I want to support a missionary? My story was that I had to give my fear and my awkwardness to God. Drew, will you put that? Oh, you've got it up here. So this is a picture of me. I've showed you this before. I went on a mission trip to Arizona, and we were, um, we were working on an Indian reservation in Arizona. That's literally an unreached people group in the United States. There are millions of, I guess we call them Native American reservations now, all around the United States, and, and a lot of times outsiders are not allowed in. There are no churches in those areas. They're literally people that have not been reached with the gospel. And we got to go to one and put a roof on a church that somebody had started there. So you can see from the, the, the temperature, it was 110 degrees, did it pretty much all week. And I wasn't upset. I love, how many of y'all, you love to do work like that. You love to like get out and do work, right? You know, that's your thing. And that's my thing. I, I, I love to get out and I love to do work. So I was all about that. That was good. That was kind of, I guess, what you could say you excel in. But then my youth pastor said, Matt, the final night we're having like, we're inviting people to like a service and I want you to share a devotion, like a five-minute devotion at the end of that service. And I said what I shouldn't have said to my youth pastor. I said, I'm not going to do that, man. Find somebody else. And I actually gave him the name of the person who I said should do it because he was like this like boisterous, like awesome with words person. I was like, you need to get him to do it. And I thought I had him sold on it. He came back five minutes later. He said, Matt, you need to do it. And he just kept telling me and telling me I'm going to do it. So I was like, I guess I better do this because he's going to call on me. And that would even be more awkward if I don't prepare. So I like wrote out a devotion. It was like literally a page long. And I stood up in the front of that church, and I was hoping, like, nobody would come. Like, I know it's bad, like, because we handed out, like, flyers and invitations. I'm just like, I hope nobody comes. Like, <laughs> it's a terrible thing to think, but, like, hope nobody comes. And the church was, like, packed out with all these, like, like you know, Native Americans. <laughs> and I had to stand up there. And I've got a picture of me standing up there, actually, I think. I've got a picture of me standing up there. Is it on there, Drew? Ah! Well, poop. I'm going to put it on Instagram later. I, oh, yeah, there it is. Um, so, as, you, as I said, April's a lucky man, right? I'm a baller. But I stood up there, and I was, it's hard to tell from the picture, I was sweating. And I literally, people, when I left, they thought I peed my pants because I sweat so much. And my hands were shaking so I had to stop my hands from shaking. So I just gripped onto the pulpit and I just read it word for word. And it was terrible. <laughs> but after I was done, my youth pastor came up and he said, you heard what Matt said. How many of you want to be saved tonight and learn from the Bible how you can be saved? And there were three people about my age, three teenage guys that raised their hands and they found the local pastor there, and he led him to the Lord, even though I did a terrible job. 
God will take what little you have and turn it into something incredible. So what's stopping you? Remember the checklist? Missions is for people who've been saved. Check. Missions is for people who have something to give. You, you got a stick in your backyard? You got a hand? Check. And missions is for people who want to experience God working through their lives. You want to see God working through your lives? Check. Guess what? You can be involved in missions. The final little observation, and then we're going to hit our efforts and get out of here, is that missions is contagious. We learned a lot about contagious things over the past few years. I just got violated yesterday um, at Cabell Huntington Hospital um, because I'm getting ready to go on a trip and I had to get, you know, there's just some places that doctors don't need to be and my nostrils are one of them, right? And, uh, and you know, I had to get my COVID test. So we know all about infections, right? But look at the example that was given here. Look at verse one. Paul is writing, remember, he's writing these wealthy people in Corinth and he says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that's been given among the churches of Macedonia. These poor little churches, these dinky little towns influenced this big church that had bukus of money to get on board with what they were already doing. Look at, verse, uh, look at verse number eight. He says it again. He says, I say not as a command, but to prove that by the earnestness of others, that's the Macedonians, those poor people, that your love is also genuine. They set an example that other people followed. And here's what I've learned. When one person's excited about reaching people for Jesus, other people start getting excited. I saw this happen when I was a kid at Lewis Memorial because there was a guy, a, a, a teenage guy who went to Huntington High whose name was Gary Hale who somebody like strong-armed him on going on a baseball mission trip to Dominican Republic. And he went on the trip. He got pumped up about missions. The next year, he came back, and he had like 10 guys from his baseball team at Huntington High go back down to the Dominican Republic with him. Three of those guys from the baseball team got saved and got involved in the church's youth group and then college group. And pretty much, it seems like every summer since, our church, from teenagers to college people to even really old people that you think maybe they shouldn't be on a plane, have been going to the Dominican Republic to be involved in a gospel mission. It's all because one teenager packed up his baseball glove, a couple bats, some old balls, and went down to Dominican Republic. So missions is contagious. You think you can't make an impact, you can make a huge impact because missions isn't just for missionaries. So I want to leave you with four F words before we leave. You may want to write these down. You say, okay, that's great. I want to be involved. How do I do it? Well, the first F word is first. <laughs> Give yourself to God first and then serve. Look at in verse number five. It says, they gave them, talking about these Macedonians, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. God's done some incredible things for you, right? I hope we can all say yes, right? <laughs> he gave us eternal life. But what's the greatest gift that you can give God? The greatest gift that you can give God is your life. The greatest gift you can give God is you. You know, you think about you know, what this world needs is it needs another Gary Hale. No, the world doesn't need another Gary Hale. The world needs, another, the world needs you full of Jesus, right? The world doesn't need another Matt McClay. Yeah, the world needs Joey Ankrum full of Jesus. Or the world needs Josh Barnett full of Jesus. The world needs Tyler Farley full of Jesus. Right? Give yourself to God first. What do you need to give to God of yourself? 
Some of you have never given your life to God. You've never asked God to save you. You never put your faith in Jesus. You want to experience God in your life. You want to get on a mission that you can never get tired of, never exhaust from. Give your life to Jesus. Some of you, you know, you want to change the world, but you haven't even been baptized yet. Give your life to Jesus through baptism. Take that first step of obedience. Give yourself to God first. Get right with God first. Give whatever it is you need to give to God. Confess whatever sin that separates you from God now so that you can have fellowship with God. The next is figure. That's the next F word. Figure. Figure out one thing you can give to God tonight. What I love is we didn't have the verses on the screen, but in verse 11, Paul pretty much says to those Corinthians, you've talked about giving to God, and you've talked and you've talked and you've talked. Start now. Actually, do it now. Make a decision now to give yourself to God. So the question is, what can you give to God tonight? What can you give to God tonight? Maybe you can give God your social media. You, you say, well, Matt, I only have like seven followers, and one is my mom, like, and she likes everything I post. Well, you know what? What if you start sharing the gospel and start sharing facts about missions and start getting people excited about what Jesus is doing? Even if you only have those seven people, you can make an impact on those seven people, and it's hard to tell who those seven people can have an impact on. Take the stick from your backyard. Take the hand out of your pocket and start using what little thing you have for God. The next is faith. You've gotten right with God. You've taken a small step of obedience. You've given him what you have. The next is ask God for more. Take a step out of your comfort zone. For some of you, you know, you've heard we're taking a mission trip in the summer. You're like, I don't know about going to the country, especially with COVID. Like, I don't know about that. Maybe that's the step out of your comfort zone. For some of you, maybe it's just doing trunk or treat and giving a kid a piece of candy. Maybe for some of you, it's coming to when we serve the Huntington High football players and you're a sixth grade middle schooler and you're gonna, have, you're gonna serve turkey to like a six foot four, 260 pound lineman for Huntington High. You know, there, there, there are, yeah, there's some big guys, right? And that's a step out of your comfort zone. But ask God for more. Just like I got pushed to share a devotion in front of a bunch of Native Americans, maybe you need to be pushed to do something that's out of your comfort zone and watch God work in incredible ways. And the final one is fire. I like that word, fire. Learn from examples of people who are on fire for God. You know the best way to get excited about missions and get involved in missions is to be around people who are excited about missions. That's why you know, Paul told the Corinthians, hey, these people are close to you. You know about them. Learn from their example. Some of you, you need to be around people who are excited about Jesus because you're never going to be excited about Jesus if you're surrounded by people who are only focused on themselves. If you're a reader, got any readers here? I like to read. I'm weird. I like to read biographies. Some of you should get on your Amazon as soon as I say Amen. If you're alive, if your parents let you have access. Uh, or ask your Order the biography of Hudson Taylor. And you will not, if you're a reader, you will not be able to put it down. He was the first missionary ever to the country of China in the 1800s. And your jaw will drop as you read his story. We need to, we need to be around people, learn from people who are on fire for God. Because missions is not just for missionaries. It's for me and it's for you. It's for middle schoolers and it's for high schoolers. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to pray for some people, and we're going to get out of here. Um, God, thank you for um, an example of people who really, it seemed like they had nothing to give. Um, but because they surrendered their lives to you, they gave everything. 
Um, God, I pray for each teenager here from younger ones to older ones to guys to girls to people who are extroverts to people who are introverts, God, um, that you will show us what we can do to take your gospel around the world. Because God, I know one thing for sure is that every person in this room is somebody that you want to use to do incredible things that they could never even ask or imagine. So I pray that you'll give us the faith to step out of our comfort zone and take the gospel around the world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.